Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and it's a warm welcome, as always, to a new member of the book club uh, coming to us live from Canada, Rob Foster. Rob, welcome to the book club. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. I'm a big fan of the show, and like I was saying, it's kind of surreal to be here. So it's been a, a big part of my journey in with 2080. So it's uh, yeah, a unique opportunity. So thank you. Well, it's great. I mean, you got in touch by email at mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. Um, so let's, you know, you say it's part of your 2000 AD journey. Let's go back to the start of that. When did you start reading 2000 AD comics? Because it's, is it reasonably recent for you, Rob? Within the last, yeah, four to five years or so. So yeah, that's quite recent compared to all your prog wonders that uh, yes. attend. <laughs> yes. No, I'm far, far from that. Um so I, I got into, I guess my 2008 origin story is, is um, my comics origin story that, so in, um, when I was young, yeah, grade four, 94, you know, grade five, 95, I'm giving my age away a little bit there, but I really got into G.I. Joe comic books. That was real popular as a kid and we'd all bring our G.I. Joes to school. And then um, I really got into uh, Marvel comics. That was what was popular at my school. And I remember one of the very first comics I read, other than G.I. Joe, I would start reading that from a young age, but it was uh, Spider-Man 2099. And Spider-Man 2099 meets Spider-Man. And I guess that's kind of like 2080 is a, you know, Marvel's knockoff a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I started reading those and then I just got full in. And then uh, I read, I never stopped reading comics. And then in my early 20s, I worked at a comic book store for a short time while I was attending university. And uh, yeah, I just really was enjoying comics. And then, after a while, I started feeling like a superhero comic burnout. I felt like um, there's got to be more out there, you know, something a little bit better. And it was around the time of, think, like Marvel's big events, like Access and Civil War II. And it was just a bit of a grind. So I was kind of tiring of these the superhero games. So I started dabbling in other titles, uh, you know, IDW and Boom, Dynamite, Dark Horse. And I was buying titles here and there. And nothing was really grabbing me. And then uh, one day, a buddy of mine, a, a good friend, we watch movies, and he he asked me if I wanted to watch the the Dread film, the the Carl Urban 2012. And um, I wasn't too aware of the character Dread. I, I had a couple comics in my long boxes that I had that had cool covers from conventions, but other than that, I didn't know much about it. So uh, we watched the Judge Dread movie, and uh, yeah, it blew my socks off. I, I loved it, and uh, I knew that was a comic book. So I started pursuing it. And uh, this is where some of your fans might cringe is uh, I started buying the IDW comics because that's, oh, right. okay. <laughs> that's what was available to me. Um, but it was a blessing in disguise because uh, as I was reading the IDW comics, I got into the classics, uh, the classic color reprints that they were doing of Apocalypse, War and the Dark Judges with uh, Dredd and Anderson. And then uh, I read those and those were much better. So I started pursuing the case files and then uh, the rest is history. Since then I've purchased every case file up to date. And, and uh, I think I'm probably around 40 trades or so from 2080 in my bookshelf over the last, you know, four or five years and not counting what I read digitally, et cetera. So um, I, I'm all in. Um, I'd like to call myself a squawk so people will have me. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely will have you. You're exactly what we want. New readers, new people jumping on board and getting hold of all this stuff. So well done. And so what what do you pick up now? You say you've got lots of trades on your shelf. Yeah, so I'm um, 
I have, like I said, all the case files. I, have, uh, I like Road Trooper a lot. I like the the retroness of Road Trooper. Then the in the later case files, um, I really like the stuff that um, um, Gordon Renee, I believe it is, and PJ Holden. Like they they do a great some great Rogue. And then um, I have uh, I love Lawless and Insurrection. Um, anything Dread, like I say. And then as we'll get to today, my my favorite 2080 character, Johnny Alpha, the the Strontium Dog series, is really the one that's uh, stuck with me the most. And then uh, I dabble in, um, yeah, Halo Jones. And then I picked up a lot of at conventions for really cheap, those Titan reprints, those old Titan reprints. So I've grabbed, you know, stacks of those for um, like Robo Hunter and Halo Jones and, you know, whatever else I come across. Um, I have the ABC Warriors mech files, all that good stuff. Anything 2000 AD and I'm a pretty big fan of. And it's uh, the same, the, the slain um, doesn't, I'm not into sword and sorcery as much. I like more of the, the science fiction side of it. It's It's all great. Great, great stuff. Well, you mentioned Johnny Alpha. Uh, we are doing some uh, Strontium Dog. Tell us which books you've chosen, uh, a pair of books to talk about for your first appearance in the book club. So I have The uh, the Life and Death of Johnny Alpha, The Project, and The Life and Death of Johnny Alpha, Dogs of War. So within these two trade paperbacks that I have here, I have the physical copies. Uh, they each have two stories in them. So they're, it kind of goes through the... I guess there'll be some spoilers throughout here, um, but it goes through the uh, return to life of Johnny Alpha and then his subsequent adventures um, in the uh, that are not flashbacks, but brand new stories. So these are trades from 2014 and 2015, obviously written by John Wagner with art by Carlos Esquera, uh, colours by his son Hector Esquera, lettered Simon Boland and Ellie Deville, editor Matt Smith. There is a backup what-if story by Alan Grant and Carlos in the first trade, I think. And this is covering stories that ran in the prog from 2010 to 2014, prog 1689 all the way up to 1870. And we probably should just mention quickly, we've got covers on the two um, trade collections Ben Wilshire did a cover for the first one, and I think it's Mark Harrison does the cover for the Dogs of War collection. So, Rob, why did you choose this pairing? Right. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Strontium Dogs, so as I read through the um, catalogue, you know, the back catalogue of 2000 AD, and, um, I uh, really enjoyed the Strontium Dog character, he jumped out. I, I'm a big fan of Western comics and war comics. Like I, I read, read a lot of those um, growing up as well. So I think he has those elements of sci-fi, Western war. And um, yeah, he really stood out to me. Great cast of characters to go along with it. And uh, I, one thing that's unique to 2000 AD that I didn't see in Marvel or other comics growing up is just the, um, I don't know if it's a British sense of humor or whatever it is, but there, there's something like dark humor within these comics that I love that I had not experienced before. And I find a lot of that in John Wagner's writing. So I, uh, I love the character. So um, I started a, a thread probably four or five years ago if I was looking the forum and I was pretty new and I was looking for help to what I should read next. And I started a thread is, is Strontium Dog good? And the response was overwhelming and and it was great. No one gave any spoilers. They just, everyone said it was a must read. So I bought the first four um, Strontium Dog, the um, Search Destroy books. And uh, I devoured those in a matter of a week or two. And then subsequently I went online and bought all the rest and then plowed through them all in a you know couple month period. So 
so, so basically, um, I only knew that Johnny Alpha died because the title left the life and death of Johnny Alpha. So I was expecting some kind of death. So I was actually very surprised when he did die. And, and then, um, there was that, uh, that book not done by Wagner and Iscara. And then uh, the reason I chose this series is uh, I'm just very grateful for new adventures. So as much as I enjoyed the flashbacks and seeing, you know, what Wolf and, and Johnny got up to in the years between the, uh, the other collections, um, I was just very happy to have him back and have new stories. And these stories I thought were excellent. They're, you know, Johnny comes and he's very, he's, he's upset and it's pretty violent and lots of great action and, good humor with midden face and they just jumped out at me as some favorites right away so let's start with the first collection which is as you say the life and death of johnny alpha the project alpha is dead he was killed as you say in the final solution uh, by alan grant colin mcneil and simon harrison which we covered on episode 116 and as you you'd alluded to we'd had some sort of over the years, some fill-ins with some prequels-type stories and also the Strontium Dogs series, the attempt to keep the series going with different characters. Give us a quick outline. What happens uh, or how, what, you know, how do we get Johnny Alpha back in the first book? Because, spoilers, he's coming back, isn't he? Yeah, spoiler right in the title. Yes. Just like any good Marvel book, they give it away in the title. <laughs> So the first one has two books, like you had mentioned. So um, the Life and Death of Johnny Alpha Part 1, it turns out we didn't know the whole story, that Johnny didn't die in the Dark Dimension at Stonehenge with by supernatural mumbo-jumbo, as Minface calls it. Uh, Johnny's uh, lady friend, Precious Matson and uh, fellow strong Minface McDonaldy set off in search of Alpha's body. And some bar fights and flashbacks later, we find that Farrell, he's a strong that was in the Dark Dimension with Johnny, uh, had took and hid Johnny's body on the planet Zen. So they ask him about Johnny and he initially refuses any information because he's, he's in, imprisoned in the, on the planet. And he says, unless I'm free, I won't give that information. So they, uh, they break him free from jail or they, you know, it appears that they break him free and uh, they get the information they need. He admits that he left Johnny's body buried on the planet Zen um, in a comatose state but he was too cowardly to trade his life for Johnny's. So he left Johnny behind on the planet. So uh, they hand Farrell back over to the gardens and he meets a brutal demise. I think we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but quite a, a brutal death for uh, for Farrell there. And then Precious and Minface travel to Zen. They dig up Johnny and find him comatose but warm. From there, they bring him to the Stone Wizards and Minface offers his life for Johnny's. The stone wizards remove the, the weird green blob lyran creature from Johnny's mouth and he sits up alive. So that's the, the first book within the first volume there. So there we have Johnny Alpha is returned to us. Um, John Wagner famously described the death of Johnny Alpha as a big mistake, which he would be trying to rectify. And we know Carlos was so upset about it, he wouldn't draw it in the final solution. So here I is, John Wagner and Carlos finally, I guess, what, 19 years later, something like that, bringing back Johnny Alpha from the dead. So what effect did it have on you, sort of like having him back? I think how it would impact me would be a bit different than how it impacts others. There are others who had to wait that 19 years and, you know, 
that would they would have been so used to him being dead. Maybe for him to return, they might have been upset about it because bringing back a dead character, or maybe somewhere very excited. For me, it was uh, a turn of a page. So I close one volume and want to know what happens. So I open the next. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So uh, it, yeah. Uh, so I was very grateful. I, I, I'll acknowledge how fortunate I am to be able to just have this back catalog, hunting him dog and dread to just read through at my fingertips. It's a uh, very nice. So. Um, I was thrilled to see him back. Like I say, I, I had no issue with him coming back. I was grateful to see him having his new adventures. Uh, when he returned, I, I felt like he was a bit cold and disconnected from the Johnny we knew. And I think that speak to that yet, but it had to do with the Lyran. But I was happy to have him back. And uh, yeah, just appreciative of new adventures. How about yourself? What were your initial reactions? I'm assuming you're one of the ones who had to wait for the long, the long wait there. I had the long haul to wait for for Car- John and Carlos' uh, Strontium dog, and then fortunately mm-hmm. we got it back again. And yeah, now I was delighted, of course, to have uh, the regular team back on jo- on you know drawing Johnny Alpha and Strontium dog. What about? I mean, obviously, comic book characters do come back from the dead all the time. It's a regular thing now to kill off a major character, leave them for a while, and then bring them back in some way. It, you know, how do you feel about the whole subject of bringing back comic book characters from the uh, supposed dead? Great question. It, it definitely, I think, done too often. And I keep calling back to Marvel because that's what I grew up with. It really. Um, softens the impact of the death of a character so anytime i was reading comics you know growing up you know if wolverine would you know quote unquote die or professor x dies and you know you might it's annoying because you have to wait two years to see your favorite character again but you know they're going to come back but in in 2000 ad i know they take the deaths a lot more serious so i i think in this case i'm happy to have them back i yeah I, i do think they have to be specific about how they do it and when they do it. And so that deaths still have an impact. Um, you can't be too loosey goosey with it. But uh, in this case, for example, I'm happy Johnny came back, but although Wolf is my favorite sidekick of, of Johnny, if you want to call him that, I wouldn't want to see Wolf back. His death had a lot of impact you know, at the hands of Bubba and his crew, but uh, bringing Johnny back to the head, the title, I think was a good decision. Yeah, I'm I'm the same as you. I wouldn't want to see Wolf's death be undone. I would, you know, Wolf's death meant so much to all of us. Um, I wouldn't want to see him brought back. So I was quite glad uh, it was just Johnny. And of course, later on, we, you know, you will talk. We will talk about some sidekicks because there's a possible uh, descendant of Wolf who turns up as a sidekick later on in the comics run. Um, okay, you know, can. In in a way, Johnny Alpha was John Wagner and Carlos's character, um, but another creative pairing or another creative team killed him off. Can comic book characters be killed off by anybody other than their creators? I suppose in the big universes, it can be anybody, can't it? I think 2000 AD is very unique in that way. Um, <laughs> if you ask Pat Mills, you get a very specific answer. Yes, I was thinking of the Pat Mills answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been following a little bit of his, uh, I don't know if you want to call it drama lately, but yeah, he, he has strong opinions that I sit back and chuckle, but they're, they're his opinions. And he's welcome to them. Um, but uh, within the Marvel character, you know, Stan Lee can't be the only one to kill off, you know, the Avengers or Daredevil or Spider-Man or something, obviously. So within a larger universe like that, I know that they have, you know, anyone on the title at the time can take their shot at killing and reviving a character. But 2080 is special. And I think it's been 
more unique that a specific writer and artist sometimes artists rotate but for the most part they'll, they'll stick with characters and that's i think it's unique to 2080 so i think if they have permission from the writer or artist and there's that collaboration in effect then i, I would feel fine with it because as the years go on here i, I definitely want would, wouldn't be fine seeing johnny's adventures continue so i think as long as there's that collaboration okay now it did seem to me that, looking back at the history of 2000 AD, that Johnny Alva was one of the key characters, even though he started in Star-Lord and then came into 2000 AD. But it seems to me he was like a key character. And, of course, he'd been missing from the pages of the prog for years because of being killed off in the final solution. Um, Dread is always there. Rarely ever, you know, it's a real... You, you can count literally on the fingers of one hand the issues of 2008 that Dread has not appeared in. But it always strikes me that Dread is much more of an ambivalent character for us to follow, whereas Johnny Alpha, at least we know, we're following the good guy. He is the oppressed. He is the voice of the oppressed. Um, or, you know, if needs to be the gun of the oppressed. So having him brought back for 2008, I guess may just partly makes good sense, but also feels right to me. It felt like, you know, this was something that she had a wrong undone and it brought back that moral centre to the comic. Well said. I like when you say it's a wrong undone. Like, even as I was reading these the first time and I didn't have the history that everyone else had with Johnny at his death, as I read it, I knew it was wrong. Like, <laughs> this should be happening. This isn't John Wagner. This isn't Carlos Isgara. You know, like, this isn't right. So that's another reason I think I was so happy to have him back is I, I didn't like the fact that he had died anyway. It was just kind of they, you know, swept that under the carpet and continued, which was definitely, I agreed, the, the right decision in this case. So, Rob, after we brought back Johnny Alpha, we move into the second chapter of the first trade, which I believe, is that called The Project? Yes, that's The Project, part two. Tell us a little bit about that. What is it? Because obviously, once you've brought back a character as good as Johnny Alpha, you've got to put him in some form of caper or story uh, or conflict. Tell us what happens. All right. Yeah, so Johnny's alive and he has his eyes back, but Minface is still there. So as an offering for his life for Johnny, uh, was just a test. So it's a pretty, pretty harsh test, but Minface came through with uh, shiny colors there. They leave the planet Zen. But Johnny is, like I mentioned, he's kind of cold and distant. And uh, we find out later that he's being plagued by a remaining uh, Lyran creature. So I think that's where that kind of comes from. He seems a bit spaced. Uh, but it's not long before Johnny is being hunted by some mysterious strontium dogs. And there's a hit out on him. So after uh, lots of mystery and tons of cool action and a trip to the doghouse, uh, they return to Earth. And from there, we discover that a, a group of uh, rich norms or humans are dragging food supplies to the mutant populations with the goal of sterilizing the entire mutant populace. So this, of course, is very upsetting for Johnny and the other mutants once discovered. And he's captured by the norms. But at this point, he's ready for a second human mutant war. So that's the end of the project. Fantastic. And yes, of course, uh, John Wagner not just brought him back, but he's brought him back into the ongoing um, oppression of the mutant race on Earth, the the conflict uh, that just carries on, it seems. Um, yeah, the first mutant war we know from Portrait of a Mutant, and now we were going to we're going to be into the second mutant war. 
and it's all Absolutely. it's yeah it's all just fantastic and terrific stuff okay let me take you to the second book then because if the first book is i suppose the magic and possibly hand waving that brings johnny alpha back to us and then the start the revealing of the plot of what actually the project is plus as you say um, there is this ongoing storyline that Johnny's come back with a sort of, he's got a passenger on board, hasn't he? Yes, that's a passenger I, I, I'm not a fan of. Right. So then the second volume, Dogs of War, which came out in 2015, the collection that we're looking at, and it is, now it's just war, isn't it? It's full-on war. Another mutant-human conflict on Earth with Johnny this time leading the forces it is it's remarkable they don't throw him back into a sort of bounty hunting or a caper again it's really into a quite brutal and nasty conflict isn't it absolutely you, you summarize it well of it it's just a, it's a, an amazing yeah violent action packed war that he gets into and he takes on more of a uh, a leader or general type role as opposed to the bounty hunting and i like that direction you know if if he, he came back and then he was you know, hunting the next strange alien, um, it 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 felt it would feel like maybe his his death was just um, and resurrection was just a, a stepping stone to get back to bounty hunting. But he came back and things weren't right, and he wasn't happy with how things were, and um, it shows why we Johnny had to return from his death. It wasn't it wasn't just for the readers, but it was for what was happening <laughs> to the mutants on Earth. So. Absolutely. So the third volume or uh, part rather is called Mutant Spring. And uh, Johnny, you know, he escapes from his captivity. Uh, he gets rid of the passenger in this one. So I was very pleased with that. So it's a, a juvenile Lyran creature. And uh, Johnny ends up tricking him to get into the body of someone else. And then he uses one of his time bombs to blast him into space. And uh, I don't know what John Wagner's intent of that character was. I think it's just so Johnny came back and he wasn't all, you know, happy and normal right away it, it added some mystery and you didn't know where this was going to go but uh i was hoping that character would not stick around for long <laughs> but yeah he was he wasn't my favorite <laughs> sometimes they come back from the dead with an extra uh, yeah personality has changed <laughs> or something seems not quite right and it did le- like, seem like that for a while johnny's sort of talking to himself or the or there's a voice mm-hmm. he can hear and he seems, as you say, Middenface McNulty is quite sort of perturbed that Johnny's not right and he's not his usual self. But he does fortunately trick this creature out of him and become his usual self as the story progresses, which is good. Yeah, I was I was grateful for that. And it was yeah, just fun seeing Johnny. I, I love all his technology. That's a huge thing. I love his his weaponry and his time bombs and everything else. So seeing him use that to get rid of it, I thought was a plus and and uh, like you had said, Johnny goes to the mutant ghetto. He begins a rebellion and starts a war. And uh, Johnny declares that there'll be no prisoners and only one faction will be left standing, human or norm. So he's, he, he tends to take it all the way. And uh, this particular chapter is just filled with so much great action and brutality. Johnny is having no mercy on, on norms or humans. He's, he's put a line in the sand between the mutants and the humans. And he's, he's out for blood. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty brutal. And again, seeing Johnny in that way, uh, he made me nervous. <laughs> I, even after the Lyran was gone, he's still, he was still uh, pretty brutal. So I guess it was just a, when he came back, he it wasn't a restful sleep. <laughs> yes, I mean they have. A, there's a brutal moment where they have a prisoner, one of the 
sort of main instigators of the uh, the project, as it were. And um, when they decide, or when Johnny Alpha decides that it's time to get rid of him, he just does it. He just dispatches him. Uh, it's quite brutal and it, it's somewhat shocking, even for a strip which features so much violence normally. It was a, it's a disturbing moment because he does seem... This is a very dark and driven Johnny Alpha who's returned to this mutant conflict, isn't it? Well, absolutely. Um, and even what he lets his... Um you know, generals or his, you know, his fellow mutants get away with uh, kidney doesn't hold back. And um, yeah, there, there's a few brutal moments of, of humans being killed. And uh, it seems that they don't care if, you know, if it's families or soldiers or whatever it may be, like it, it's war and uh, it's going to end. I wonder if that brutality that Johnny Alpha was having to display was the reason why John Wagner then introduces the um, Norm Brotherhood on the you know the opposing force, and that towards the latter part of the book, they're fighting literal Nazis, and of course, uh, you can have Nazis as the bad guys, and you can be as brutal as you like to them. Then it's a good comic, it's a good go- uh, good comic get out, isn't it? Absolutely. And uh, I made a similar note that, you know, as soon as you make the bad guys Nazis, you can do whatever you want to them, yeah. especially when they're like military neo-Nazi bikers. They're they're cannon fodder at that point. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Redneck uh, biker um, neo-Nazis uh, who bear the swastika and usually have it tattooed on them as well. And so, yes, you can then be as brutal as you like them in the comic. And it does, you know, it's a war. There is an awful lot of brutality and there are losses on both sides. You'll see some familiar mutant faces all fall in this conflict. Um, but it all, it's all leading to a resolution. Interestingly, I hadn't, I'd forgotten... Again, I'll try not to spoil it too much, Rob, but I'd forgotten that at the end of the uh, Dogs of War story, we get another cliffhanger. Yes, and... Uh, the- <laughs> This was actually my first cliffhanger. The, the next volume hadn't come out yet. So I read up to this point and it was kind of devastating. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that, that particular, now I felt what everyone else felt. But yeah, this book, like you say, it was all war. And at one point, it actually looks like Johnny and the mutants might win. But again, those, um, the Iken aliens that have that uh, uncanny ability to regenerate, you know, they perform splattered flesh and dismembered limbs. The enemy that cannot die, you know, as the book says, they they turn the tide against the mutants. And uh, Johnny makes one last push into Eastminster Grand Hall to execute the norms responsible for planning and bankrolling the mutant genocide. But uh, as he begins to dish out justice, it's like you say, the, um, there's a, a massive explosion and we see Johnny's helmet. And that, again, I didn't know where that was going to head and what was happening with Johnny at the time. So that was very uh, disconcerting. That was uh, a big cliffhanger, to say the least. Yeah. Okay, so you've mentioned, you know, uh, we've got some great characters alongside Johnny Alpha. We've obviously got Midden Face. We've got some familiar mutant faces. We've got the weird Icon aliens, the Stone Wizards, um, the terrible Norm Brotherhood, and so on. All of the, the wonderful characters that sort of... Uh, Wagner and Carlos can sort of uh, populate this comic with. You'd mentioned in our notes the subject of sidekicks for um, Johnny. Um, who was your favourite over the years? Because we get, you know, obviously here he's with Middenface quite a bit. Who would be your favourite of all time? 
I got to say it's the original, the you know OG Wolf. You know, you, you can't beat Wolf. I love his Viking story. Like when I liked Wolf right off the get-go, you know, a big guy with the hammer and beard. He's a fun character. But once um, he goes, Johnny goes back through time and uh, the Ragnarok job and uh, you find out Wolf's past. That's one of my favorite um, stories as well. I love that one. And uh, yeah, Wolf is just, he's, he's loyal and he's just always there for Johnny. And even though he, you know, he kills an awful lot of uh, people, there's, there's a certain innocence to Wolf and uh, that I, I appreciate. So Wolf is great, but uh, Mid Face, there couldn't have been a better follow-up. He's, he's really funny. And uh, I'll totally admit to really struggling to like, read what he's saying. Um, being, you know, a Western Canadian, I haven't had much <laughs> influence with, um, Ken's and Neps and everything else he's referring to. So I actually have a uh, Google the odd thing he says to try to make sure I'm understanding. And uh, otherwise I just read it as gibberish and laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever he's trying to say. <laughs> yeah. And what about Feral and um, Durham Red and some of the other candidates that came and went as sort of companions? Great question. Yeah, Durham Red. Uh, she she's a great character. She's she's got a great um, great design by Carlos. I think she her costume kind of stands the test of time. I enjoyed uh, her interactions and uh, adventures with Johnny as well. And uh, Farrell, uh, even as I was reading it, as Farrell was introduced, I in the next volume being called "The Life and Death of Johnny Alpha," and leading up to his death, I knew where I felt like anyway. Um, they were trying to prepare the readers for this cool new kid who's going to replace Johnny Alpha. So to be honest, I, I hated him right away. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't want Johnny being replaced. I didn't want him going anywhere. And um, as as cool as Farrell was for the '90s, he's not a character that I wanted to stick around. So I was I was anti Farrell right from my the first page. <laughs> Do you think 2008 fans had that antipathy towards Farrell because of that reason? They didn't want Johnny replaced. They wanted Johnny Alpha, and any, the first person who tried to replace him would obviously get all the uh, sort of abuse heaped upon him. Do you think that's why Farrell never succeeded? I, I think you're right. I think that's probably a huge part of it. For me, it was. like uh, If he had just been part of the book and Johnny was still around and Farrell was who he was... Um, I think he'd still kind of be an extreme nineties kind of character, but at the same time, like, you know, he, he tried to do what was right as well, but yeah, there was no replacing of Johnny. And I think that was the intent of the character. So myself anyway, right away, I knew that this isn't someone that I, I want in my, my strontium dog book. Sure. And then, Obviously, you mentioned earlier on, Feral unfortunately meets his end in the first collection, the first trade we've been looking at. And not only does he meet his end, he's also he's become I'm, I, I, I would say a diminished character, but he's, I suppose it's the exact opposite. He's become a huge character since we last met him. Um, what did you think about the sad demise of Feral and the way they handled it, this pair of uh, creators? Uh, I think... It, the, I think this was, I imagine this in my head being maybe Carlos or even John's, you know, it was, it was more for them than it was for, <laughs> for the readers. It was their, their payback saying, you know, you try to replace Johnny with Farrell and here's, here, we're going to end him good. Um, yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's fattened up and uh, his neb is removed <laughs> and he's uh, yeah. Burned at the stake more or less. So it's, it's a, it's a brutal death. I didn't need him to die in that kind of way. I, you know, I didn't like him, but um, I, I will say knowing that he's dead and not going to come back, 
I'm assuming, you know, <laughs> I'm good with that. So I'm, I'm definitely anti-feral. So for him to die was fine in such a vicious way. It was, I'd say, you know, as much as there was shocking violence throughout the series, that death in particular stood out to be shocking and, and uh, yeah, kind of, kind of tough to read, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me turn you to the glorious artwork from Carlos Escara. Um, I mean, I suppose first thing to ask you about is, like, what was it like to have Carla's back drawing Strontium Dog again? Uh, absolutely beautiful. Uh, what, right when I was getting to 2080, um, I didn't know Carlos from, um, you know, Brian Bowen from anyone else, really. Like, it was Brian a little bit, obviously, just because of the, you know, Killing Joke, et cetera. But I was a Marvel fan anyhow, so I didn't have much experience. So... Right away, I started reading um, 2000 AD and working through the case files and Strong Tim Dog. Not no, I even knowing the popularity of Carlos. I'd never seen art like his before. And uh, he immediately became my favorite. He's so different from anything I grew up with. So I, I can say without question that Carlos, I, I think he's probably my favorite artist. Yeah, I've, I have a couple pieces from him that um, I've been fortunate enough to acquire. And uh, I absolutely love his art. So um, having him in the first four books, you know, the primary books was just beautiful as black and white art and detail and having him come back was just a treat. Um, I don't think, you know, at the time to bring him back from his death, it could have been anyone else. And, uh, I think he does a, a great job in this book. And, you know, it's difficult to think of any other character who's more associated with one artist um, in the history of sort of 2000 AD. Uh, you know, it just seems like, Carlos is the person you want to draw this character, John and Carlos, to, to do Johnny Alpha. They just work so well, don't they? And then, and of course, by this stage, they they know each other so well. Uh, Carlos famously happy with John's fairly minimal scripts because that allowed Carlos to do what he wanted, which was direct the action and be the cameraman. And it's just, you know, it is just marvellous stuff. I would say the war stuff, great explosions, Let's put it that way. Full-page explosions, yeah. Full-page explosions, uh, hover vehicles and all sorts of craft that get destroyed, um, and it's all done beautifully. I suppose that should make us think about the colouring, digital colouring from Hector Escara. Have you had a chance to pick up the the very early Strontium Dog stories that were recently reprinted in the search and destroy star lord years yes yeah i got the hardcover of that right when it came out that was i was very excited for that i do have like i say the the, the phone book floppy but to get a nice hardcover with color was a treat and the phone book floppies i think they're black and white aren't they so you so they are. the star lord years you get to see some of the original color that was done uh, on all you know on these strips um what do you make of the comparison between those early days of coloring and then this later in in some places slightly shiny digital coloring yes i think the the early coloring like i love the the retro and how vibrant those colors are and um the, the painted look, uh, however he achieved those colors in those early volumes of the, the Star Lord, uh, that I, I I would probably prefer that type of coloring. Uh, there there was a time in the you know in the case files if you look at the pit and stuff for for Dread, the Carlos was coloring in the Wilderland story. And I would have much rather have had black and white Carlos art during those periods. There, yeah. That was some very uh, early digital coloring in it. 
you know, it's Carlos art, so I can get over it and just enjoy it for what it is. But that, that coloring wasn't great. So um, I think if you compare, you know, what Hector has done here in these volumes to that middle era, then it, it's better than that. But um, having, you know, if Carlos had painted all of this and it had the colors of, you know, um, some of his early adventures, I think that would have been a beautiful thing. But no, the colors don't bother me at all. I think I think uh, I like matte pages and books better than glossy anyway, if I could have it my way. But yeah, um, I think it was good. And of course, I mentioned the explosions. The digital coloring on the explosions is uh, phenomenal. Um, and if I mention that last page in the collection, uh, oh no, it's not quite the last page. Um, the penultimate page, right at the end, where there yes. is a huge explosion and a helmet um, and a big vadum. Uh, mm-hmm. lettering. The colouring on that, the digital colouring on that is just spectacular, isn't it? It's just awesome. That it is a beautiful page. Yeah, you got so many different shades of the reds and yellows and and uh, yeah. So yeah, it's really well done. So yes, the colouring on explosions, on blasters, on fire, it's all brilliant stuff from Carlos and Hector. And it all just looks lovely, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really like it. I think that uh, it complements Carlos well. The colours are kind of flat in some places, which I think is a good thing. And then uh, the explosions and everything else have a nice glow to, to really stand out from a lot of the, the flat colours. So I think, I think it's great. And, you know, now that at this stage you had John and Carlos back doing Alpha, obviously we've got that cliffhanger at the end of this second trade, but were you ready then for some more um, doghouse stories, some more bounty hunting, some more capers, basically? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that the story had set out what it needed to do. He came back and he had a mission and he, you know, he went all out and it showed his true character, why we needed him back, why, uh, you know, his supporting characters needed him back. And he, you know, he did his best, but then we can kind of go back to his early days of, you know, the Western bounty hunting and those types of stories. And unfortunately, you know, we did, we did get some of those stories to follow up with it, but yeah, I think it accomplished what it set out to do and and it was stood out and and made a, a big impact for his return. And neither of us wanted Wolf to come back, but Wolf's son, Kenton, showing up, that seemed to be setting up the possibility of a new partnership, didn't it? Absolutely. And what's interesting is I I don't like reading digitally as much. Like, as you can see here, like, and I say my bookshelf is now just full of um, 2080 traits. So um, what I try to do is my local comic shop to get the progs and they were kind of inconsistent in getting them. And they're quite expensive here too. There's a pretty significant markup when they bring them over. So um, I, for some stuff, sometimes some progs I get digitally um, and then others, I have a few physical copies as well, but I trade weight for a lot of the stuff. So my favorite to dread, I, I read digitally regularly, but other titles like Strontium Dog, or if there's a new Lawless chapter, or you know, Jaeger, those types of things, I kind of trade weight and it makes me wait a while, but I'm okay with that. So the last Strontium Dog story with the return of Wolf's Son, I only know about from peeking at digitally, but I've actually not read the whole thing because I've been waiting for trade paperback. Ah, oh, right. Okay. So and you know more than I do. I've not read it. I'm right into it. I hope to get a collection. And I'm, yeah, I'm not sure that's not been collected yet, I think, is it? It um, hasn't. I've, no. been, I've been waiting. Okay. Um, because, of course, sadly now, Carlos is no longer with us, so we can't have more John and Carlos Strontium Dog. 
the strip has sort of gone on hiatus. There hasn't been any official announcement. We've had one or two little stories about, I think, minor characters from the Strontium Dog universe, um, a prequel story and so on, have appeared in a couple of specials. What would you like 2000 AD and Matt Smith and Tharg to do with Strontium Dog going forward? Well, if, if I'm talking about my wish list, um, I, I would love to see John Wagner take up the reins again. Uh, I believe I read somewhere that he wouldn't be doing any more without Carlos. I think I probably read that somewhere on the forum. But, um, I, I, you know, maybe with uh, a few years, I think Carlos sadly passed in 2018, I believe. So you know, a few years of, you know, time to, to grieve and then maybe a, a passion for the character or even in, in honor of or the legacy of Carlos to continue new Strong Team Dog stories. I would love to see Wagner. And then uh, my second favorite Strong Team Dog artist, um, hands down, would be Colin McNeil. Uh, even though it was the death that he drew, his <laughs> art was <laughs> I don't hold that against him. His, his art was beautiful. Then he had a couple other one-off Strong Team Dog stories too. And I think he he's so different from Carlos that uh, he's not trying to repeat what Carlos did. He draws him his own way and um, just beautifully. So I'm, I'm a huge Colin McNeil fan. So between Wagner and Carlos, I'd love, um, or sorry, um, Wagner and McNeil, I'd love to see them continue it. That would be my my wish list. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens, what they decide to do with the character. As you know, as we record, I think there's still nothing official about it. Um, we may still see the odd story in specials, I guess, from time to time. Um, okay, let's get back to these two trades, Rob. Favorite moments or episodes from the sort of uh, ongoing story, the return of Johnny Alpha, and then the the project and the war that follows. Absolutely. So, in in the first book, I think one of my favorite moments is when Johnny um, he he returns to the doghouse, and uh, there's all those familiar faces there, and you have um, just a bunch of crazy looking mutants. And that's one of my favorite parts about Strong Team Dog and Carlos Art is uh, all the different characters he comes up with, the characters standing in the background with thumbs out of their foreheads or hands hanging out of their chins and <laughs> feet out of the back of their head, all that. I really enjoy that. So when he's back in the doghouse and you have all these mutants around and there was a certain sense of familiarity and, and just a real joy seeing um, Johnny back in the doghouse and, and uh, the characters like they say kidney and that, that creepy character. And yeah, just a lot of fun mutant action. So Within the first book, um, I really did enjoy the adventure to find Johnny, but uh, seeing him in the doghouse was kind of like uh, brought a smile to my face for sure. And uh, in the second book, I just have to say the unrelenting violence against the neo-Nazis. You know, they, he, he choked them, shot them, blew them up, yeah, all brutally penciled by Ascara. So there is uh, one scene toward the end where Johnny is about to execute the neo-Nazi leader, uh, Dad Nabbit, and uh, he talks about um, ignorant and hate winning being a sad day for the human race. So I, I think that scene in particular nicely summarized what Johnny is fighting for and why he's back. And then of course he, you know, executes Nabbit and we always like a sense of justice, don't we? So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sort of reminded of Conrad on Space Spinner who talks about these, um, I don't know what, the, I can't remember his phrase, for disposable villains for comic books like robots, dinosaurs, aliens. You can kill robots, dinosaurs and aliens. And neo-Nazis that probably must be on that list as well. You know, they're, they're cannon fodder as well, aren't they? Yeah, I think just above robots, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another great show I I love Space Spinner 2000 with Fox and Conrad. That's another one that's uh, I've I've really enjoyed listening to and always get a good laugh. So it's a great, great show. Conrad and Fox will both be in the UK shortly. 
Um, oh. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Are you meeting up with them? Yeah, I'm going to be meeting up with them. Yes, I, I'm. I'm hoping to meet with Fox in a few weeks at a uh, 2000 AD get together. Well, that would be surreal. You never want to meet your heroes. And <laughs> <laughs> never meet anybody you met on the internet. Um, That's right. <laughs> so. Rob, let's give you all of this wonderful uh, digitally coloured original art, plus the covers that are, I think, in the back of the trades. Pick a couple to hang in your virtual art gallery if we could get them for you. All right. So there is one page uh, toward the back, and I'll show it to you here. So when when they are um, when Johnny comes back to the doghouse and and he gets his weapons they start stacking up his weapons at the doghouse and i think it was kind of a, a humorous scene it's uh this particular page where where johnny comes and he gets his weapons it's the oh, first yes. time seeing seeing johnny back in his costume and I, I just another scene that really brought a smile to my face they say electronux um blade hand blaster Westinghouse blaster cartridges, you know, they go through his whole thing and then he comes out and, you know, it's like seeing Terminator in his gear for the first time. Johnny walks out in his Johnny, you know, strontium dog outfit and then face hands him his helmet. And uh, just a great moment. I, I really enjoyed that with a little bit of comedy with at the top with um, men face and his injured foot. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, uh, that's a great one. So I'd, I'd love to, to take that one. And then uh, toward the end of the uh, the second book, uh, Johnny makes a final push into um, the Great Hall, and he rides those skimmers. Yeah, and, of uh, course. He, and I always love the original, uh, the old when Johnny's riding in the deserts, and you know, it basically is his horse you know, to an extent when he's on these desert planets and hunting down the, the bad guys. And he comes in, and he's he's blasting bad guys, and he's fighting side by side with men riding the hover. And uh, I would love a page that has some of Carlos' technology on it. Um, as much as you know, his figures look great, and not enough can be said also about the technology and ships and skimmers and everything else he draws. So I think I'd uh, I'd pick that one as well. Uh, we love a uh, we love Strontium Dog on a on a skimmer, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's like I say, it's a a future horse basically is what it is to him. Those those hover bikes. And, yeah. Uh, how about yourself? Did you have a, a favorite that you would like to hang on your wall? So I sent you, I don't know if I, I sent you the image of, um, I've got, of course, page number because I have the digital edition. So in the digital edition of Dogs of War, it's page 28. And it is a, oh, yes. it's a page of action of, it's one of, it's almost what you could call, I think, a Carlos Escara triptych in that without having panel borders on the page, mm. you see three different scenes of Johnny in action with his blaster, uh, all at different angles, taking up the sort of full page. So at the top, he's blasting some police cars. He's pointing his gun out of the panel in the middle. And then at the bottom, he looks like he's blasting someone else as well. And it's just, <laughs> I, I somehow, for some reason, I associate those with Carlos, the sort of Carlos triptych, where he takes away the panel borders and shows you either Dread or Alpha in action spread across the page. So I'm going to take that one, I think, if I can, Rob. That's a lovely one. Oh, that, that's a fantastic choice. And as I went through that one, definitely is that stood out to me. There's another half splash page where it's just Johnny's, you know, his side profile with his blaster. And uh, there's, a, there's so many you can choose from, but this one is good. And I like what you said, actually, about no panels. That's a really good point. As I look at the details in that page and how he uses the outline of a ship and then the outline of the, you know, the blast to 
set each of those scenes apart within a single page is yeah beautifully done great choice yeah so we should say these are readily available these two trades 1499 uh, over here in the UK and 1999 digital which is what I have you've of course got the hard copy trades probably slightly more expensive for you to get them over there I should imagine was it or yeah you to be honest, you can't find anything Strontium Dog here at all. So I get everything um, online from um, good bookshops online. So where, wherever I can find them. I have ordered from the 2080 web shop before, although it's a little bit expensive for shipping, et cetera. But there's uh, the book depository. I think it's owned by Amazon, which I know a lot of people don't like. But I can find anything 2080 there. And like I've, I've probably ordered 30-plus trades over book depository in the last few years so um, or, or more. So... Uh, it's, it's been a good source to make sure I can get everything 2000 AD in, in my hands physically. And we'd certainly recommend these two trades. They're marvellous examples of late period Strontium Dog. Uh, great story, a great creative pairing, beautiful artwork. It's just um, it's just stunning stuff. It's great um, rollicking adventure with War, War, War from uh, Johnny Alpha. Absolutely. Yeah, just it's a, another Civil War. Great follow-up to the um, Portrait of a Mutant War that's kind of like a second second follow-up to that i kind of you, know, you could read those all together to see his his whole story of where he was how he started and kind of how he finished to an extent so yeah really great story and before we leave the subject of original art completely you did say that you'd managed to pick up a couple of carlos pieces what do you have yeah so i have uh, actually i do have a page from the first volume of uh life death of johnny alpha here you've got an actual and, uh, grail page <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's a beautiful one you know I, it came up on ebay and um i i dabble in original art so i i enjoy i have some commissions and a couple pieces but um i like i said i enjoyed carl's art so much and you know i have a little you know quote-unquote man cave in, in a way i keep all my comic books and and uh, i wanted a couple pages of carlos to throw up on my wall there and uh there the one page where there's that character creepy uh, if you'll remember when they first returned to the doghouse yeah, and he, that character creepy follows him out and uh, it's, it's right here. So the, the way Carlos was drawing these was on just printer paper and eight and a half by 11. So the bottom half of that page is uh, a sideways, a horizontal eight and a half by 11. And uh, Johnny is walking out, kind of pretending to be drunk and uh, gets punched in the face by creepy. And uh, that one came up on eBay and it was so cheap and I threw a bid at it and no one else bid and I got it. And uh, it's, and it's in pencils as well. So he did digital inking for this particular one. And, uh, but the, the pencils, it's, it's beautiful. Um, I'd be happy to share that with you afterwards as well, but it's a nice, you know, eight and a half by 11 pencil page by Carlos and it's Johnny getting punched in the face by, uh, by creepy. Fantastic. You've actually yeah, got a page from yeah, this story. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and another reason why I may have chosen, obviously, when I, when I saw that one come up on eBay and I enjoyed this story so much in particular, I, I jumped at the chance and um, I'm embarrassed to say how little I paid for it as well. It was uh, a great opportunity. Well, just lovely. And of course, you know, sadly, there isn't going to be any more Carlos Escara art. So getting hold of these pieces is, uh, you know, vital and they're going to get, I guess, more and more expensive. But uh, well done. You got absolutely. one. No, thank you. Yeah. And absolutely. And then I have two other Carlos pieces. Um, one of them is a page from the Ragnarok job where um, Wolf is is fighting uh, 
the, the dragons, he says, uh, you'll take no more Viking lives. And, and Johnny throws a time grenade at one of the big trolls. And um, it's a, a full size, you know, large, large page. And I got that. I, my sad story is that I was trying to get in touch with Carlos about a commission and um, I had his email and was trying to figure out what I wanted to get him to draw. And then he had passed away. So I still reached out saying my condolences and um, they, they had mentioned the family was going to sell some original art to, you know, for, to you know, support Carlos funeral, et cetera. So when that became available, I bought an original page from his, his early years there. And that was, um, I'm grateful for that opportunity. And um, they, there was a lot of people, as my understanding, buying some original art at that time. And um, Carlos wife, I believe Conchita, uh, I was at work just working one day and I had an unknown number call me and, and it was her. And she says, we're packing up the pages. I'm not sure which is yours. Can you please help me? So, um, yeah, it was, it wow. was a unique experience. Yeah. Unique experience to, to chat with her and, and, uh, you know, give, give my condolences and, um, just, uh, let her, let her know what he means to us fans and to even a new reader like myself, how his art made an immediate impact. So she was very, very kind and generous to spend a few minutes to chat. So she packed it up and sent it to me and, um, I have that one in the man cave. And then um, I was able to acquire through comic art fans, um, a, a commission that he had done um, as well with Johnny Wolf and uh, Gronk. So I, I think my strontium dog, Carlos has been completed. I feel, you know, I have accomplished that particular, um, that goal of getting some art for the wall and it, it feels really good. Fantastic. The, the only strontium dog page I have in my collection is from the Ragnarok job as well oh really yes which which page is that it's uh it's a title page of wolf uh wrestling with the with the goblins um, oh beautiful yeah. yeah absolutely i know the page you're talking about it's a full splash and yes. calls them demons or something like that yeah, yeah yeah that's a great page congratulations that's a beautiful page we will share these images on the social media when this episode comes out in a few weeks rob yeah absolutely and also you've got, you mentioned Colin McNeil. You've got a Colin McNeil commission on the way. Is that right? Absolutely. So I reached out April, 2019 to Colin and um, I, I got from uh, another fan. I asked for Colin's email and they checked with him and he gave it the okay. So I reached out to him and um, we've been chatting back and forth for two full years and uh, just the nicest guy. I, I bet you we have, well over 30 emails back and forth he has long responses and tells me all about his you know his gardening and his his work and he's told me some really interesting behind the scenes details of insurrection one of his favorites so um yeah it's been a really cool experience like i said i don't i don't interact with comic artists or creators very often so it's been a unique experience but um just you know the last uh, month or so he wrote me back and said hey i finally have time and uh um yeah, he's doing a piece of Johnny and Wolf um, fighting uh, Hitler and Nazis. The Schickelgruber grab is one yes. of my original favorites. And one of my ideas when I was going to reach out to Carlos before his passing was to get a, a commission of Johnny and Wolf fighting Nazis. So, um, And it's also a nice tie back to Fiends of the Eastern Front, another book that I love that Carlos worked on, as, as well as Colin McNeil. So um, talking to Colin, I said, you know, let's however you want to do it, just have Wolf and, uh, and Johnny fighting Hitler and some Nazis. And he ran with the idea and it's just glorious. He, he sent me the sketch, uh, just yesterday, um, to, for the thumbs up and approval. And I, you know, I couldn't say enough good things about it. It's, it's really beautiful. So I, I'm excited to share that when it's completed as well. 
Excellent. Okay. And we've sort of drifted into the guest project section of the podcast. You've also been, I think you found the 2004 forums have been quite helpful in terms of, you know, your uh, getting into the comic and the hobby. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to give a huge shout out to the 2008 forum. Uh, as I got into it, I wanted to know, you know, there was U.S. case file trade paperbacks and U.K. ones, and I didn't know what the differences were. Like I say, I didn't know what Strontium Dog was, and um, I didn't know how to pursue, you know, Oliver Trooper's adventures and who was this Friday guy. I was very confused as I started to get into it. And uh, going on to the forum and starting a few threads and asking questions, what a great group of guys. They, they've all engaged so heavily and answered all my questions and told me, you know, what to pursue and what not to. And, and then, uh, lately the overlap past, you know, several months, I've really enjoyed, um, all the different uh, polls that are available for voting for favorite artists and favorite writers. Um, Colin on that, uh, on the, on the forum there sets those up and, and then there's lots of other great blogs like such a, that I found through the forum, such as yourself and the um, Fox and Conrad show. And then uh, Alex F, I believe, has a great blog about uh, all the different contributions artists and writers have done. And they're just uh, my whole world has grown through the forum. So if you're not on the forum and you're listening to the podcast, do yourself a favor and head on over. And it's a great group of guys who will are full of great information and uh, yeah, real joy to engage with. Fantastic. You know, it's nice to hear about the uh, the community being, in, in, you know, encompassing, uh, bringing in new people, gate openers rather than gatekeepers. That's great stuff. Mm. Oh, absolutely. No, that was they're very, very welcoming. And like you said right off the top, you know, I, I found I, I was a bit embarrassed to come in and, and, you know, be 40 years behind the eight ball for my knowledge. But I think they were just happy to have some new readers show up. So I've died, died in the wool or whatever you call it, <laughs> fan of 2000 AD and, and the progs and the magazine. And yeah, I just, uh, I look forward to, to hopefully getting more Johnny Alpha in the future. And until then, you know, obviously runner up is dread and I'll continue to read dread, you know, each week. And I, I really, yeah, I love the case files as well. Great stuff. And I will put a link to your comic art fans page in the show notes so people can see uh, some of this artwork we've been talking about. Uh, well, and thank keep, you. And you and your um, your Colin McNeil commission will be up there eventually when you get it, I guess. Eventually, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Rob, thank, thank you for that as well. <laughs> That's quite all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just being a middleman. <laughs> I appreciate that. Emin is uh, Colin was uncomfortable shipping it outside of uh, the UK, so uh, he wouldn't ship it to Canada. So he was okay with shipping it to Emin, and then Emin will will ship it on to me, and I'll send it uh, to you. you know, Thank you very much. If you're real quick, maybe you could copy and keep the original for yourself and, and send me <laughs> a, a really nice forgery. <laughs> you don't want my forgeries, not at all. <laughs> Rob, thank you for giving up your time. Uh, it's the evening here. I think it's Saturday morning with you. Um, it's great to have another Canada representative of the 2000 AD community on the podcast. And I look forward to hopefully getting you back at some point in the future. I would love to. This was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I enjoy speaking as, you know, as someone who's a bit more ignorant of 2000 AD and, and uh, what I'm kind of learning as I go along. And yeah, it's what a, what a great series you guys have over there. And um, yeah, fortunate to have found it and uh, yeah, I'll continue to continue to read it. And I would love to come back someday and discuss, you know, more Strontium Dog or Dread or, you know, whatever, whatever gap you may have, I'm happy to, to chat about. 
Fantastic. Uh, we're very glad to have you. We're very lucky to have you, Rob. Welcome aboard. Well, thank you, Em. Oh, th- thank you for your time. No, I, I greatly appreciate it. And thanks, like, again, shout out to your podcast. I listen to it regularly. I've heard the majority of the episodes. And I've read some things such as uh, David Bishop's uh, Fiends novels I found through your show. And I love those. And uh, one I didn't expect was Kingdom of the Wicked. I usually stick to 2000 AD, but based on that particular podcast, I went out and found a copy and ordered it. And uh, it is a treat. I really, it's one of my favorite non-2000 AD traits I've come across through your show. So no, it's, it's led to other reading adventures for me as well. So thank you for, for what you do and the podcast. And it's um, it, it's paying off in dividends, that's for sure. You're very welcome. Great stuff. I'm glad to hear about people discovering new books through the podcast. And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find all the links, including links to Rob's Comic Art Fans page at megacitybookclub.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify. And of course, as Rob has done, go and join the 2080 forums and get in touch by emailing me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's uh, goodbye from me and from Canada. Goodbye from me. 